Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name is Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. And we're back today, um, actually in 2023. Not, not just, uh, not, you're not just listening in 2023, because I know you didn't listen to this before, uh, before now. Uh, we're actually recording in, in 2023. So starting off a new year with a, with a new podcast. I will say for today's discussion, uh, we are out on location, actually at a, uh, a grain location. So, or, uh, or as to the guys sitting across the table here, who you'll meet in a second, a cow chow location, um, you will hear trucks unloading and things like that in the background. So apologies for that, but that's just a part of our work environment. So anyway, today we wanted to, uh, to dive in a little bit to, we've had some extreme temperatures, well, both ways. Um, you know, it was negative 30 wind chill not very long ago and it's 60 degrees out in places in the state today. And uh, so a lot of wild swings and temperatures and weather, um, folks, folks trying to feed cattle through the winter. And so we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, supplementing and creating that nutrition plan um, for your cattle herd today. We've got some really good guests uh, in the room here with us, Cameron, with some really good insights. So um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Um, we'll start off with uh, Brandon Sowers, one of our livestock key account managers for um, MFA Retail North. So Brandon, you've been on the podcast before, but give us a little background like nobody's heard that. Yep, yep. So I am podcast famous now. You are, I know. This is number two, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandon Sowers, livestock key account manager in the western side of District 2. Uh, that's fancy for saying I run around and get kicked by cows all day long. Uh, but no, I, uh, my role within the company is to partner with uh, livestock producers and just try and achieve their goals, try and find solutions to problems they face and uh, help improve their operation. Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate you coming back. Um, also with us today, uh, we've got Travis Taylor, who is a district sales manager for uh, Vitalix. And I'll let you, number one, give a little background to yourself, Travis, and then also give us a little Vitalix background for those who may not uh, have heard that before. Yep, so like you said, my name is Travis Taylor. Uh, I am the district sales manager for Missouri, Eastern Kansas, and the lower two-thirds of Illinois. Um, I'm a fourth-generation cow producer myself. I uh, have an ag, uh, ag degree from Northwest Missouri State University. I uh, graduated up there in 2011. So I like to say that I pull kind of the technical side and also the producer side together, being a producer and, and working on our family farm herself. Um, Cow-calf at home, we feed our own calves out till, you know, seven, 800 pounds most of the time. So we've had a lot of experience doing all that. And, you know, <clears throat> still getting to work with two generations of my family every day is pretty sweet. Uh, but then going to the Vitalix side, so uh, Vitalix has been around for over 33 years. We're not a new company by any means, but you know, we are a little bit newer to the state of Missouri, just you know, spreading, spreading east and the, and the footprint for our company has expanded rather largely in the last couple of years. Uh, we did purchase another company, uh, MLS, Midcontinent Livestock uh, Supplements here about a little over a year ago. Um, so just the expansion of the company has really sped up here lately. And, and uh, we started working with MFA pretty strongly over the summer. Um, and we've just been kind of growing that and going from there too. Yeah. So Travis, you said you guys are expanding east. Where, where did Vitalix originate in? So Vitalix uh, started in actually uh, Alliance, Nebraska in 1987. 
Um, at the time that I was hired, about four years ago, we had three plants in the U.S., uh, one in Sydney, Nebraska now, where the old Cabela's warehouses used to be, uh, Quincy, Washington, and then we had one in uh, Wilton, Iowa. With the acquisition of MLS, we actually have a plant in North Dakota, one here in Missouri, which works very well with the MFA system, and then we have one uh, in Valley Mills, Texas. Gotcha. So another kind of thing to hit on on the Vitalik side is you know, we operate as a corporate entity, but it is owned by one one dad and his uh, two sons. So it's a very family-oriented company. You know, we, we operate as a corporation, but it's still at the end of the day, we can, you know, it's all family-oriented, which is really fun to work for too. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Appreciate that background. Well, guys, I know both of you, um, you know, deal with, deal with these issues kind of on a daily basis, um, both personally and professionally. That's um, why why most of us got got into the field to, to start with for sure, um, but you know I think before we really kind of dive into the um, the realm of of putting together kind of a, a plan for supplementations, you know I, I know like we typically and Brandon I'm going to let you expand on this try to look at kind of the whole operation because you touched on it when you were talking about your your role with MFA, um, but but trying to find solutions and and so. Um, kind of what's your first step in, in bef- you know, long before you get to the kind of the prescribing a, spurt, a certain supplement or a certain product, kind of what's your, what's your first step in, in starting to kind of work with the customer? The first step, I, what I like to do is have lunch with them. <laughs> I, mean, I say that jokingly because I know Travis um, through MFA and then also working with him a little bit and we managed to find lunch about every single day that <laughs> we run around. I don't, I don't miss it too often. <laughs> yeah. so I understand. Right. Well, you can't trust that skinny feed guy. Right? You can't trust <laughs> skinny true. cook. Um, but no, that before you can really start talking to any kind of products whatsoever, it is, I'm so adamant at what are their goals because uh, it cannot be overstated that each uh, farmer, each rancher, they're all different and it's so taken for granted but they are so what you got to find is how are they different what are their goals for their operation what are they doing to get there and what's holding them back and so once you start to understand that aspect of it that's where you can start applying that uh, facet of our job of partnering with them whether that is a product that we have or a service which we provide or just getting connected to other people that could help them it pays so big of dividends to partner with these guys uh, in order to help reach their goals so running all that back um, before I even talking nutrition plan you have to understand what their goals are sure mm-hmm. and after that you start thinking of that funnel coming down at the end of the day we're just trying to produce quality cattle um, I mean there's a litany of livestock I guess but uh, for the majority of what I work with is just quality cattle. So how do we get to that point within the realm of their goals on their farm? It's just as easy as that. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, sure. No, I mean, it's, I think it's easy in your mind because you're, you're dealing with it on a daily basis. But I, like how many of these guys do you think really sit down and say, kind of, what are my end goals? Um, you know, what kind of weights am I trying to get to? What is my nutrition plan? I mean, I know there's producers out there that are, are in that space, but it, it seems like yeah. probably there's a lot of them that's like, well, I raise cows because we've always raised cows. That's, it. that's that's one of the most dangerous things in the ag industry and just general. We've always done that. We've done, we do this because we've always done this. Yeah. 
And so when you get them to ask themselves, okay, well, why do we do this? And then well, what do we want to do? And then what's holding us back? So then we start finding out the goals for the operation. That's, I mean, that's why I like having Travis on today. He's a cattleman as well. So you start asking yourself, well, I want heavier calves because that's how I get paid. Yeah. How do we get heavier calves? Yeah. Right. I mean, there's, you start going through the funnel and well, here's this way and this way and this way and which way works best. Yeah. Right. I would say to kind of add to that too, knowing, knowing Brandon and working with him a little bit is something we both try to do is, is try to find maybe a little bit more um, profit or revenue through something that they didn't see before. Something I've been very happy to work with Brandon is, is going on farm to some places that, that maybe are willing to try something new, but maybe haven't seen something. Um, you know, we're up here in North Missouri right now, for example, and there's a lot of guys up here that, you know, they, they got some real crop ground, they got some cows, and, um, you know, there's some potential there on a lot of these farms to kind of, you know, retain ownership on these calves and really, you know, get some of that money back that we're, that we're pushing to other people. Um, that's been something that I think is a pretty big opportunity that, that Brandon pushes pretty good too. So seeing that has, has been very positive for us. Yeah, yeah, we've had some success in that too, that putting together some nutrition plans and when you show the profit loss, and you look at the numbers like that and say, okay, well, what does another fill in the blank, another $25,000, another $50,000, $75,000 mean to the operation? Well, it means it means I can bring a son into the operation. It means I can bring a, I can buy that pickup I need, or it means, you know, fill the blank. It's, it's achieving those goals. So when you can put that revenue and attach it to the goals, now we're starting to shape up that plan. As you're starting to begin to, to put that nutrition plan together for a customer, um, kind of besides the goals, once you kind of then leave lunch, um, <laughs> hopefully full, um, and, and go back to that person's operation. What are you kind of what are you looking for, kind of in the initial steps to, to build the basis there? I look at the top five factors on how to improve an operation or become better, and so that is your production environment, your water quality, nutrition quality, genetics, and disease and pest management. And one of those aspects, you know, we're looking at today is that nutrition quality. So uh, the biggest thing you got to figure out is what are we working with. Because we can come up with some beautiful plans, but if it doesn't work, it's not going to work. And so the big thing we look at, especially in this time frame, looking at winter and supplements, is um, forage. Uh, then we look at the cows, what stage they're in, and then also body condition scoring. So those are three things that are going to play probably your biggest uh, effect into how do we put together a nutrition plan. Do, do um, you mentioned those top five factors? I mean, are the are those the ones that you see lacking the most, or like in with a lot of your customers, or Travis? You can you you spend a lot of time on um, on growers' operations too. I mean, I feel like maybe that production environment, some of those kind of things, are 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 some of the I'd most, say, or at least the ones that we have the most control over changing. Yes, yeah. right. So those are the things that we can control. Those are things that are going to affect our production quality. And so, and I'm sure farmers and ranchers are not dumb. You know, they're making a living doing this. They're quite smart. And, sure. and we're dumb if we think they are. Yeah. So they're quite familiar with these. What I would say is, and this is why I like using these, is let's take a deeper dive into them. Like, yeah, we know cattle need water. Yeah. What's that mean to uh, drinking out of uh, uh, heated water instead of out of a pond? 
Those right. are the kind of things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know they need a nutrition. What's the difference between uh, first cutting hay that we're just dumping out, brome hay that we're dumping out to them versus uh, we cut some CRP hay, but now we know a forage test on it. And now I need to know, or now I do know that I need to supplement that with some kind of supplement, whether that's a tub or what fits into their operation. Uh, I think if you go in a deep dive like that, then you can really fine tune those nutrition plans, yep. which will have the end result we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think this year specifically is a prime example of the management and uh, that part of it. And you know, we can manage our way through a lot of things, but managing our way through a pretty record drought uh, has been a big issue. You know, we got some rain here this fall, but there was a lot of cows in the country that got pretty thin over the over the summer, um, and you know. When you see grass out there and, and there's just not much to it, that sometimes that's a hard conversation to have. So having the management and those deep dives and looking at it, actually what is out there. But you know, there's there can be green grass in a lot of places with the fescue that we deal with is, you know, if we get too much rain, that stuff's washing and has nothing to it. If it gets too dry, it just doesn't do much in the heat of the summer. Then you're kind of battling back, fighting the weeds later in the fall that came up while that fescue went dormant. I think that's a pretty prime example of what we're talking about here. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And to be careful too, just because it's green doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Ragweed, <laughs> ragweed and, and Canadian thistles are green too. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, you guys have summarized it perfectly. I mean, we, we've already said, you know, farmers, ranchers have been doing this for a long time. You know, in the introductions, we said a lot of guys are raising cattle because that's just what we've always done. Right. Yeah. And so, in retrospect, they know what the top five factors are. Not maybe necessarily the numbers like we have on our top five factors, but they have the ideas. And so, like you said, Brandon, being able to dive into each one, break them apart and be able to dive into each one, to be able to set that plan. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 where the goal is. I mean, we do that same thing on row crops. Yeah. Um, it's, it's no different for on the livestock piece. You have to be able to set a plan for management and production, obviously nutrition, which we're diving in today. But, you right. know. You guys mentioned some stuff on that on the forage um, side of things, and I, and I think you mentioned maybe testing a time or two. Um, tell me kind of how you go about that um, and, and what you're looking at. I assume you're basically just kind of quantifying how many months a year the producer's feeding what and, yeah. and um, talk to me about your process there and maybe some of that testing that you do. Okay, so forage. You got to know what – you have to know what they have. Right. And Yep. I think it's such an underutilized tool to test for test your forage to see what's our what's our TDM, what's our protein. Uh, those two things right there. If you didn't test for anything other than that, uh, that'd be enough to get by. And TDM for those un- unfamiliar stands for uh, total digestible nutrients. Okay. So, what percentage of what we're feeding is actually going to be digested and what's just going to get shucked out the back of the cow mm-hmm. because it could be the cheapest hay in the world but if 80 percent of it gets shucked out the back of the cow that gets awful expensive when you have to feed extra in order to maintain a certain energy level absolutely and i would uh, encourage all farmers and ranchers to get a hold of their local mfa person and test their forage it doesn't take all that long uh, the price is right, um, just to know where you're at because that's your baseline. What are we going to do after that? How do we know that unless we know what our baseline is? <clears throat> so what does that consist of? It's a big hay probe. We're going to look at what stockpiles of hay that we have. You're going to get me out there. I'm going to take the probe and go into the bales. I'm going to take 
different samples out of each different lot. We're going to put it into a bag. We're going to send it off to Midwest Labs. They're going to kick us out a report showing TDN and protein, anything else we want to look at. So that's going to give us our baseline saying, okay, here's what we have. Next step is what are we trying to feed? Because a four-year-old cow is different than a first-year heifer. Mm-hmm. It's different from a 12-year-old cow. <coughs> so what are we trying to feed? And trying to match up what we have to what are we trying to feed in what stage, that's where it comes into the supplement area of, Travis, you put that pretty good, finding the um, holes in our in what yeah. we have. So, you know, we, me and Brandon did a, uh, was a cow-calf class here yep. last last year, I guess, it was 2022, so yeah. last year. Yeah, we can uh, dad joke it up today. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, First time uh, we've seen you this year. That's right. <laughs> but uh, part of that class is, you know, the University of Missouri Extension um, going over somewhere. You have some shortfalls with the fescue depending on the time of year, and uh, and supplementation really can play a pretty good factor there and, and ease up that, that those breaks. Um, and that is something that, you know, me and Brandon – have really, you know, pushed on pretty hard that, you know, and, and, and that was a typical year too. And as we talked about just a little bit ago, you know, typical years are great, but whenever you have your really hard management decisions and management problems, it's in, it's on the bad years. And we're really coming out of a pretty bad one this last summer and fall. So um, finding those holes and, and like we said, the grass may be there or maybe you had some early cutting, but it just didn't have much to it. Um, this is an easy way to kind of give you some insurance, and as he said, it's priced right, you know, that way and, and free that way. So uh, <clears throat> having that available to you and then, and then being able to come up with a program that you're not sinking a lot of money that you don't need to, having an economical plan, yeah. uh, that's that's the keys to where we can really help somebody. Yeah, but I, th- I think you guys brought up a really critical point is, you know, pulling multiple samples and sending out multiple samples. And you said, you know, based on a lot of stuff, because, I mean, how many times – we don't always have this, but you know, sometimes we have leftover hay from the year prior. So that needs to be its own sample compared to the new, the first cutting, right? Or if you have a second cutting, especially, you know, depending on how we had our cuttings, you know, in a year where we had drought, there's going to be a difference between that first cutting and that second cutting, even if you've got a second cutting this year in drought. But then also we had to bring in a lot. Some guys had to bring in hay, right? So you don't know where that was brought from and what they did, what they did from the nutrition side on their farm, what is that going to bring? So yeah. it's it's just like when we you know when we pull soil samples on a field, we're not just going out. Ideally, we're not going out just pulling one sample <coughs> and saying, "Hey, this is going to cover us for the whole year." Right? We're yeah. we're getting it from every yeah. part of the field. It's the same thing when we're thinking about our forage. And I think I think that was a really critical point to bring up because, you know, I know personally, you know, I grew up on cow calf operation. You know, a lot of times we'd have hay left from the last year. Well, guess what we do in the first first part of the year you try to use that old hay up right yeah. well yeah that's early on in the year but that may be in a depending on if you're spring or fall calf and i'm sure we're going to get into this that may have been the most critical time when they needed the nutrients and we were given the worst part of the hay right that is a beautiful transition right there is if you look at cows even if you look at prime cows whether they're spring calving or fall calving one of them at different stages will need a higher protein. One of them at different stages will need a higher energy. Yeah. So that you hit the nail on the head there. That's usually the first stuff used up because we got to get rid of it because we don't want it to rot. 
Okay, if it's going to rot, that means we are declining in nutritional value. Mm -hmm. So are we meeting the needs of those cows? I mean, when they are needing it the most, are we giving them enough protein in order to build a calf and pay their way? Yep. Yep. And to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, too, is on some of the management stuff a little bit to kind of touch there is, you know, with fertilizer prices so high last spring, there was a lot of guys that didn't fertilize in a lot of areas. And, and now that management decision based, you know, coming from that drought, could it have helped during the drought, that first cut probably, but yep. you could pretty well guarantee a lot of those guys that didn't fertilize anything, didn't have didn't any of that fall growth back. And, and that's, I think, probably what we're running into a lot around here, especially. Um, you know, that grass that did come back doesn't have a whole lot to it. So. Yeah, just doesn't right. have a lot to it, and there's not much volume there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And like you said, volume, I mean, we're thinking about st fall stockpiling. I mean, how, that, that that's something that's really grown, and a lot of guys yeah. do, you know, is – is how, how much how much stockpiling can we get that still has quality forage to get us so we don't have to feed hay as long as we can right yep. and so try to because the best quality for the best quality forage we have for livestock is what's growing and what's connected to the roots not what's what's been put up in the barn right and yep. so the longer we can keep that the best thing and so I mean we didn't mention it but you know testing your stockpiled forage as well yep because that's going to change as the winter goes on too absolutely there's oh, a yeah. lot of labor advantages going on with you know stockpiling too you got a lot of labor a lot of fuel there's there's quite a few advantages to that especially you know as finding labor is getting harder and harder every year so it's definitely an option to look at sometime I know it's a land you know a land-based issue but yeah um, it is is it is something to look at you know, you mentioned um, kind of stage and what can, I mean, are, as we see, I feel like more and more guys switching to, to fall calving herds. Um, kind of walk me through your, your thought process on um, on protein consumption and, and supplementing that herd as you move through the, the winter time. The winter. Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons guys are looking at fall herds. I think it's becoming more common. You're, I think one of the biggest things is you're hitting a different market. Yeah. I mean, the gluttony of, of calves are born in the spring. They're weaned in October, November, yeah. and you come spring and they're just they're just not there. So there's a couple different um, pros and cons. That could be its own podcast right there. Um, but as far as requirements on nutrition for those two different groups, you've got a spring calving cow that had just weaned a calf so her body condition is going to be a little bit on the lower end because she's putting everything into that calf like a good cow she had she is p1 p2 depending on when the she got bred and so at that point if she is bred going into the winter she's going to have very high protein requirement because we're building the calf mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden the weather got bad and we're still needing a fair amount of protein as she goes from a p2 to a p3 and even calving now our energy uh, level requirement is going to be higher and not so much on the protein because i mean she's got to shuck a calf out and be able to stand up lick it off and nurse it yeah. that's high energy right there and on a fall uh, calving cow it's just the opposite so she's going into the winter with a calf already by her side high energy requirement right there and we're going to wean march april mm -hmm. and the same thing with that spring calf and cow she's going to be putting everything into that calf so on that ration she's going to need a little bit higher energy going through the winter and 
You mentioned also something about body condition scoring on some cows. Tell me kind of, are there any certain time frames while you're, that, you're, that you're doing that? And also kind of what you're looking for. And this is going to be a challenge um, for you too, because you can't show any pictures. <laughs> um, <but laughs> that might be a good thing today because I just worked a short 300 head. And yeah. between pictures and smell, I, I brought the ambiance here today covering yeah. cow manure. Yeah, and, we've got the, the full meal deal right. going on in the conference room. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, like I said, challenge with no photographs. Um, but, but kind of tell me what you're looking for and, and how you judge uh, optimal on that right. body condition so, score. Okay, so body condition score, it goes from a 1 to a 9, uh, with 1 being emaciated. You look at them and they are skin and bones. You kind of wonder how they're still alive to a 9, which they're obese. And you kind of also wonder why they're still alive and haven't had a heart attack yet. Uh, so ideally for breeding, you'd like them into that five and a half to six and a half mm-hmm. where you're going to have enough cover and flesh to be able to rebreed grow calf and not too much it's going to hinder you in breeding or have not enough to be able to cycle properly just be in survival mode so body condition scoring that i believe is a fantastic tool no different than um, testing your forage and that should be done what i i took a few notes what i usually do is at weaning, uh, 60 days prior to calving, uh, at calving, and then prior to breeding. Because in my opinion, body condition is easier to maintain than it is to put it on. It's easier and it's cheaper to maintain than it is to put it on. And so if you body condition score at these times, at weaning, prior to calving, prior to breeding, and at calving, Mm -hmm. that's when most train wrecks happen. That's when we're gonna. That's when we're gonna have an interruption in that cow's production cycle. So if we keep them at an optimum body condition, I like about a six to a six and a half personally. There should be uh, no other reasons why they shouldn't perform their job. Right. And so off of that, you're you're using that to kind of help help you build a nutrition plan, right? If right. they're they're low, you you need to incorporate more exactly energy and then into that. Um, also, probably for culling decisions, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I, w- I would think that'd be some things to look at trends over time. Especially yeah. after this year where we've had such a drought and such. Yeah. That's a good way to start culling cows. After, after you look at, are they open? Are they bred? Did they wean a heavier light calf? We still got to get down on numbers. That's an easy one. That's a, a cow that's a body condition score four. I, those, those cows will stick out pretty hard whenever, you know, the rest of them. So it's... It's just that decision with the cow prices, especially the way cow prices are now, it's uh, it's probably beneficial to send that cow down the river. So, um, I mean, you got to think about the cost to get that cow. Like you were saying, you got to think about the cost to get that cow in particular back to where she's going to be with her counterparts. And you can pretty well guarantee that that cow and her calf, her next calf, are going to lag behind everything else. So. Right, that's a good point. I, I, didn't, I mean, you always think about, it's like, well, what's it cost me to feed my herd through the winter, right? I think our mind always goes to that maintenance, like you just got to kind of get it yep. through and, and whatnot, and probably not thinking about, you're exactly right, hey, if she's pulled way down, that, that cow's one and a half X, what the rest of them are probably in, in cost to, you know, to yep. get her through the winter and, and back up to where she where she needs to be. Um, so when, you, when you're looking at kind of now, we've kind of covered, I think, the, the, the kind of the cow herd, what condition they're in, both cows and also, you know, life stage or reproductive stage. 
hopefully they're all in some sort of reproductive stage or we're probably not making a whole lot of money uh, on a cow-calf herd anyway. It's called pasture uh, pet right there. Yeah, <laughs> those exist out there. Um, we, we know that. But uh, but kind of like I said, we kind of know the, the, the current current condition score there and then also, you know, kind of our, our nutrition. So say we know, we know what our hay is or if we're on... Um, we're on kind of a standing stored feed, like a like a stockpiled fescue scenario. What 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 are some of those different feeds uh, likely lacking um, that we're looking to make up for in supplementation? I guess so. Can you can kind of walk me through like hay versus something like a like a standing forage or something like that? Okay. So in my opinion, I mean forage is going to be your base. Yep. So you have to understand if we're going to be feeding hay or utilizing stockpile pasture and the next step I would take is we've got to find a test, see where we're at, see what yep. we're lacking. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not going to throw out a, a bunch of range cubes or a bunch of tubs or uh, even a bunch of uh, corn gluten if I don't know what they're lacking yet because now you're just wasting money. And Understood. Yep. So once we know what we're lacking, then it's a matter of, okay, what what can I get? What, what do I have on hand? And then how do I feed? Because there's a, there's a different classification right there or a different way to look at that is like okay do I am I feeding them every day with a TMR wagon am I checking them every other day every two days with a cake box on a truck am I checking once a week and so that's going to affect what we use for supplementation as well yeah and that, uh, to kind of piggyback on that I guess the with Vitalix the nice thing the tools that we give me and Brandon is we have products that can kind of match up whether we're trying to just maintain, whether we're trying to actually put some weight on. Um, you know, we have lower consumption protein tubs that are a third to half a pound, whereas if you're really trying to get a lot of protein anywhere from like a, a 22 all natural to a 30 and 40 with urea, like say you got some cows on stocks or something, mm -hmm. we have an option there based on that, that need that we've kind of worked out from there. Um, so having the ability to mix and match to whatever you know, on farm needs is pretty beneficial there. And uh, we can kind of, you know, like I said, match that up pretty well. Um, with Vitalix 2, one of the biggest things is what we talked about is some of that hay doesn't have a whole lot to it. It's a lot of fiber, but not a lot of breakdown. Um, so every Vitalix tub that we have has a microbial activator or a chelated cobalt, an organic form of cobalt, just you know, there's a lot of those microbial solutions that they spray on the pastures to get those microorganisms going. Uh, same process goes on in the gut. What cobalt does is helps those microorganisms attach to that fiber, break it down better. We are tested at 25% or better on fiber digestibility. Um, so we're gonna help you that way. Um, but then we also put a product called Diamond V Postbiotic in there and it, and it essentially ferments the rumen, helps everything get broken down a lot more. Um, so we are tested 10 to 12% better feed efficiency just by having our tub out there, regardless of protein or energy level that you already are adding with the tub or cubes or anything else. So that's a big benefit for us that, you know, not everybody has that it's in every single product that we have. Mm -hmm. So getting that regardless of what protein or fat level that, you know, Brandon or whoever it may be decides that we need to try to get to, we're going to help you out just off the board right there. I'm glad you mentioned that. I made a note of that earlier. <clears throat> because it's emphasized when inputs are high mm -hmm. that you really have to maximize every single resource you have. And so when you go to feed something, you need to be very efficient. 
and get everything you can out of that because inputs are high. You got to still keep the lights on, so you got to get everything you can out of it. But that's not saying you shouldn't do that all the time either because if inputs are low and prices are high, you should do the same thing in order to maximize what you have and not waste it, and that's just more money in your pocket. Right. That's a big point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yep, absolutely. So when you're looking to, um, what do you see as kind of the most efficient way to, to deliver some of that brain in? Like, I know you mentioned, you know, kind of the wagon or cubes yep. or tubs. I, I know a lot of that's just logistics, but kind of how do you view kind of efficiency of those things? Uh, so what I look at is in two different routes to supplement cows because I'm, I'm going to be, we've already answered the forge, forge question. And now what, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get more protein or more energy into their diet. Um, there's a handful of products that I work with with guys, and I only use a handful because these are the ones that I know work the best, and these are the only ones that I recommend. And what I look at is if we're going to feed daily, let's look at some kind of cube product. And if it is going to be non-daily feeding, then I really like, that's why I like having Travis in here, is, is with the tub. I really like the tub because it's self-limiting. Those cows are going to limit to where they need, and then they're going to go back to the back to the forage. Right. Versus if I I got to really be eyeballing them with a cue, like okay, are we getting enough? It's it's cold, it's hot, it's wet, whatever. I got to constantly adjust that. But with like a tub, it's we're going to sit it out there and we're going to let them uh, acclimate to that, and then how are we going to continue to use that going forward? Yeah. And to kind of go from there too is. Um, we know that we provide a convenience product. It is what it is on that end. Sure. Um, with Vitalix, kind of what we were talking about before is we're putting top-end technology in the tub to help them get more performance off the off the bat, you know. Um, but the tubs are a labor saver. So whenever we're talking tubs, there's, there's a lot of tubs out on the market, you know. Um, but we really pride ourselves in the ingredients that we put in ours to help get more out of them. Um, so if we can provide a value on top of the convenience factor, then that argument of, well, it's cheaper to do this, it's cheaper to do that. Um, you know, there's still a lot of guys that still feed every day or feed every other day with tubs out there, but all that tub is too at the same time is an insurance policy that you're getting what you need when you need it. Um, and going back to the labor deal, there's, there's so much labor problems going on right now that you know the tub guarantees and, and is the insurance for you and sure. you have it out there every day. Um, and you can still feed with it and, you know, still adjust your, your plans from there. Uh, it's just another option and another, you know, performance tool. That, well, look at that, that, that body condition for cow that she's really carried her own weight and she's right on the cusp of that. But I know my operation needs to operate at 400 cows. So they're this, we're going to keep her in. Just like you said, it's an insurance policy so that that cow is getting enough. Yeah. <clears throat> in order to produce another calf, pay her way. Yep. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was just gonna bring up is, you know, when you go out and you feed cubes daily, right? We all know that there's basically two, there's two groups of cows in that situation, right? There's the, there's the group that instantly knows, hey, cubes are out, they're super aggressive, they go, they get all the cubes, right? And you've you got, got the that bullies one, and the non-bullies. You've got the non-bullies who are timid and they're, you know, when you're, when you're only utilizing range cubes, unless you're really efficient and you know how to segregate your, cal your calves when you're feeding, yeah. you're missing that, you know, that not the non-bully group 
and they're not getting that supplementation. Where if you have a tub, because it's self-limiting, they have an opportunity to get to that. Yeah, you find yourself at the end of January or the end of February going, well, I fed this, and this should work, and most of them look good, but right. there's a dozen cows here that just look terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what, what do you run into with that? Now, all of a sudden, we're having calves. We don't have the energy to push it out. You're, you're having dystocia issues, and now i got a weak calf that inevitably it's going to be a cold rain that I'm trying to get this calf up and nursing, which is a great program if you love bottle calves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's not necessarily that those non-bully cows are bad cows too. And so like, oh well, we just need to push them down, you know, push them down the river. Yeah. And there's, they're just they're more timid. They're, they're yeah. doing what they're, they're doing. doing. They're just they're more timid. Sure. So they're just yep. they're still a good cow, and we we don't need to necessarily yep. neglect them just because yep. of that. And so like on the tub deals, I don't know how many times I've had it in the last four years with the company is saying that, you know, because so. One nice thing for Vitalix is we only put beet molasses in our tubs. It's more palatable, uh, has a little bit more protein naturally than, than cane molasses does. Um, I have a lot of people tell me that, you know, and I see it at home all the time, is you have little baby calves, I mean, two and three days old will come to the tub. Uh, so you're getting, you're getting those and then obviously going to the cows that are a little more timid, not, you know, being pushed off some of that cube pile. But it, just like we were talking about, it is an insurance policy for everything else. Um, and with Vitalix having the Diamond B product in there, if anybody's familiar with moss products, is we can get that moss, which is your scour preventative, your E. coli, salmonella, uh, we can get it out of those cow systems where it doesn't really affect them. And, and, you know, if you feed that product whenever you're calving, say, you know, there's a lot of guys that are spring calvers calving in late January, early February, and running into a lot of those problems. but. If you can have them on a tub and, and if you're feeding them at the same time, you can get that moss product through the tub and set those cows up to not only get bred back faster, prevent, but prevent scours on those little baby calves the day they're born. Um, there's a lot of advantages that we can provide on top of you know other other nutrition plants. That's kind of the name of the game is to try and prevent those negative days. Yep. Because when you reach back to that, like what's the goal? Provide us uh, high quality, cattle and that includes pounds so anytime we have a negative day that's just dropping pounds off at the end yeah 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 those becoming very expensive when you start adding vet bills or something in there too yeah. <laughs> and kind of a little bit about that diamond v company because some people know it some people don't uh diamond v is a fermentation product uh it's been around for probably 60 to 70 years in the feedlot dairy area uh they've expanded into aquaculture um chicken, poultry, hogs, but it's a performance feed additive that is a fermentation product. So if you've heard of a brewer's yeast going in a tub or brewer's yeast going into a feed to try to get that rumen or that gut to ferment, what this product is is 60 years of R&D and development making into a performance product that you can actually get a, a positive feed out of. So having that in all of our tubs is, is very beneficial. So I know we've talked a lot about anything else on kind of the winter side of things. I know it's a lot of times it's it's just kind of getting that cow through there or kind of getting the getting the fall calf off to the right start or kind of mitigating that environment before those spring calves hit the ground. Um, I was going to ask Travis a question or two about, you know, kind of tubs during the growing season because um, we hope that will come back around at some point. 
But uh, <laughs> looking forward to that. And yeah. <laughs> one thing I would add on that is kind of look at what we went through about a week and a half ago. You know, it got down yep. to negative ten. Yep. Um, luckily, we didn't get a whole lot of snow out of that. Right. But it could have been a lot worse. You know, one of the nicest things, like on the old family farm, is you know I pretty well do all the mineral stuff because I'm I'm the guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. Uh, but getting to do that with. When we do have the big storm come in, you know, it's 60 degrees out here today. It could be, you know, 10 degrees tomorrow. We could have seven, eight inches of snow at any point this time of the year. But there's a lot of those times that these old feed trucks don't get around very well. And having that tub out there, the the, the hardest position of that storm or the first couple of days, whenever they might be lacking in something, just giving those cows a little bit of a boost might pay some dividends later on. So. That's something that always happens in Missouri. You know, <laughs> yeah. we get our worst weather seems like in February anymore, and, and having something available to them twenty four seven is probably not a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Keep that room and fermenting. Yep, yep. You keep that room and fermenting. You're keeping those cows hotter too. You yep. know, they don't have to struggle through it as bad. That weather won't affect them if their their guts nice and warm. Yeah, yep. Makes sense. So. I know you mentioned kind of changing things out and different, different, uh, you know, kind of pieces or things that you offer in some products that, that kind of aren't in others. How many times a year are you switching out that kind of that regiment, I guess? And then, um, what are you looking at kind of as you go into spring and, and summer actual on the ground forages kind of, how does that change your, your supplementation plan? So like for us at home is probably like uh, I would say 90% of the people North Missouri area you know we have fescue just like everybody else does in our state so that fescue doesn't grow until a little bit later in the spring but when it does take off it it is pretty dang good to have and you know uh, the one thing is sometimes we have to worry about you know a high mag but if you run a pretty good nutritional program through the winter that's really kind of a non-issue but what we do at home and I'll kind of start off in the spring is Whenever that grass is first greening up, there's not a whole lot to it yet. We're still feeding a little bit of a protein tub, but once that grass does get going pretty good in that May-June area, we have some lower consumption mineral tubs that we can mix uh, either an IGR or a Clarify, basically a larvicide of your choice, or we can do garlic too. Um, And we have a a fescue product too that's a lower consumption, so it's a lower cost per day than what some of these protein tubs are just because they're going to last longer. we feed that the majority of the summer until we get to where we're going to breed cows. We typically breed cows around June 15th. Um, I like to keep those breed back tubs out in front of them, which you can get the, the IGR in them too. So what you're going to do with that breed back tub uh, has a lot of a lot of positives to it. It's uh, about 10% fat. So if you do have some cows that you just pulled some calves off of and they need a little bit of weight, that 45 days on that higher fat is going to get that cow conditioned up a little bit better. Um, has organic selenium, whole flaxseed in it to get her recycling better. Uh, you know, we use Zenpro chelated trace minerals, like I said earlier, in every tub, but there's, more, there's a higher percentage in those tubs for sure. Um, but once we get those cows bred, we, we go back to that lower cost per day until we pretty much run out of grass. Um, and we typically don't in a normal year. Last year's not really typical. We stockpile. We cut all of our hay for just one cut, except for a couple of clover fields pretty much. But we stockpile everything else and you know if it was up to us we really like to not feed very much hay until after the first of the year or even later if we can and and the way missouri works is we get a lot of fescue growth in that october area and, and yeah. if we can keep them off of it it uh, it works pretty well that way but 
So if we still have some pretty good grass, pretty good, there's stuff out there, you know, need to test it, but we can get you a tub that's still 21% protein that they're gonna eat half a pound a day compared to some other brands that are gonna be, you know, a pound and a half, two pounds a day. So our cost per day will be quite a bit lower than what people really look at. Um, so we'll go more in the protein tub and then, you know, our cow herd's pretty well split into half springs, half falls. So, um, doing that, that breed back tub in, in that same same time frame later in the year is about the same there. Mention uh, what you were telling me about that bull test. Oh, yeah. So that breed back tub, it, uh, it has quite a few different uses. Is, you know, we have a calving tub, but one thing I really love with that breed back tub is it has the selenium, uh, it has the fat, it has the diamond V in it. So I like to get guys to feed that tub you know, the day they're calving, prevent scours, get that cow milking better with that fat, and then you can kind of set that cow to cycle up about a month in and you're good to go. If you can get her cycling that fast, you're good. But another way that that breed back tub has sold itself is uh, we put it in with bulls. You guys that are raising some bulls, you know, get those bulls weaned and, and get them off a weaning tub into like a, a breed back tub at, you know, nine, 10 months old. So it's the same deal. Everything that's good for that cow's reproductive tract is gonna be good for that bull's reproductive tract. And what we found out is that flaxseed is a big part of that. Um, I've had a couple customers, one in particular, uh, that had 100% of their bulls at 12 months old past the SEMA test on our, on our Vitalix breedback tub. And, you know, average bull prices are kind of you know in and around or everywhere but you know this customer in particular i think was probably averaging sixty five hundred dollars a bull so if i got one extra bull just one bare minimum paid for every tub probably for half a year for that entire herd sure um if well, we, we talk so much about cows that's only half of the yeah half absolutely. of the solution making a calf crop that bulls on the other end too and that's a you had mentioned that earlier to me and that open my eyes a little bit like, oh, yep. And it, you know, it's the same way with herd bulls. Herd bulls is the same way. We had that extreme heat. That's when those bulls go bad. If you have that breed back tub out there, he's eating it just like those cows are. You can maintain that reproductive integrity on both of them. And maybe you don't have a bull go bad because if you spend $6,500 on a bull and a you know $150 tub can maybe be an insurance policy that's on a 30 cows in a bull, that's a pretty safe investment. Um, Kind of similar, you know, out here, whenever it gets that cold, is it, it's reproductive integrity, just like we we're freezing our butts off, it's the same way. So uh, anything you can do to kind of help that is, yes, the upfront cost is always what everybody sees. But if we can pencil it out and we can break it down for people that, hey, this is what it's gonna cost, but say you get one extra bull, say you get five extra bulls out of 100, that's a big chunk of change. And, and Well, we even get into what does it look like if, 95% of your 90% of your cow herd calves within the first 30 45 days yep. versus half of them are here and the other half of them are within 60 to 75. Yep. I mean at the end when they wean those are pounds that are not there. Yeah. And so when you Absolutely. can when you can show a PNL on why we should use something, yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're just yeah, you're just talking return on investment. Very. Trying to show cost effective versus just cheap. So I have I have another customer that on second calf heifers, uh, they kind of do a different protocol than a lot of people than what I've seen anyway. Is uh, they kind of mass or how would I say that they would they put a lot of bulls out with the quantity of cows, but they 
set up a protocol, do a 30-day calving window, put these tubs out there, and uh, they had an 89% uh, take rate on a 30-day calving window. So if you put that to 45 days, that number's getting probably pretty close mm -hmm. up to 96, 98% if you're getting that on a 30. So, you know, stuff like that, uh, those bigger calf groups, those more consistent calf groups, you know, filling up a pot load like oh. that, that makes All a lot you gotta more do money. is go to any livestock auction and say, yep. okay, what's gonna what's gonna be the highest selling groups? It's yep. gonna be the larger the groups that are nice ones. and uniform. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Any other thoughts, guys? I'm gonna have um, Brandon kind of circle back to those top five factors in a second before we get off here, just because we. I don't know, I'm trying to think back. I don't think we breezed through it too fast, yeah. but I, I want I want him to go over them again before we get off here. I would just say that whether it be cubes, uh, you know, a mix, you know, a mix ration, or a tub, whether it be MFA or Vitalix with MFAs, you know, we can find something in a protein level or and or a consumption level at a cost per day that's going to be economical and still provide a lot of value at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's really about finding the best solution for the operation to meet their goals. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely, I, I, I think there's so much that, that somebody like Brandon can, or Travis, or the combination of the two of them after they've had lunch, um, <laughs> to the to, to someone's farm. I mean, it's just a lot of value in, um, in, in those outside opinions, just those outside kind of, um, breadth of expertise that, that they can bring uh, to an operation um, a lot of value like I said I mean you just you think about those little things and that, that one extra bullet $6,500 here or or you know those few extra pounds here or whatever All those, those little things, things add up they add up absolutely so anyway yeah I think it's also important just to realize there's and I hopefully we've made it clear is there's not a cookie cut there's yeah. not a cookie cutter plan that we have for everybody, right? And so I, I think that's what and even Brandon and Travis throughout said. the year as well. It could be the same producer, but exactly that plan. You need to have the plan in place in order to achieve your goals. However, that plan does need to be flexible enough because Correct. what happens if it's sixty in December? What yep. happens if it yep. is twenty below in yep. March? Yeah, you know, with Vitalix in particular, we make forty-five plus different cattle tubs. So that, that should be just like MFA. MFA makes so many different rations depending on what a guy needs. That's what Vitalix does is we have something for every time of the year, every problem that we can think of. Um, so it's not a we're going to try to sell you one thing that's in this box and that's it. We're going to try to help you and help MFA customize something to, to, to fix the problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's kind of how we, when we work with guys, to reiterate what you were saying, Adam, is looking at when you look at those top five factors that is a, a really easy lens in which to start looking for ways to partner with guys is looking at the production environment the water quality the nutrition quality the genetics and the disease and parasite management guys what else did we miss overall i think one that i want to mention that is definitely something that we see often is you know, we're talking about these high dollar bulls and these high efficiency bulls and, mm -hmm. and, and guys spending a lot of money to get those high power genetics that are out here today. Those high power genetics are raised on feed, you know, and, and if we want to achieve some of the things that, that we're going to bull sales and hearing about calves, 
it's going to take a management style that's a little bit different than 20 years ago because these cattle are, you know, they're made for a feedlot, they're made to produce, and they're made to do this in, in different ways than they were before. A little bit of change there and a little bit different thought process might not be a bad thing. And not all the cattle are that way, but, you know, there are a lot of us that are pretty guilty of going and spending a lot of money on some pretty good cows and some pretty good bulls and then not giving them what they need. Turn blues on pasture and say good luck. Yeah, yeah perform. exactly. That's a, that's a great point is, uh, yeah, is knowing the management that they came from and making yep. sure, not necessarily that you necessarily have to adapt 100% the management that was there. Yep but making changes to at least to get them closer. Yeah. Yep, that's right. You don't buy a Lamborghini and drive it out through the cattle pasture, right? right. I mean, exactly. it's like, yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, I've always heard what you water grows. Yeah. Yep, that's right. So water it appropriately. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. That's a great point, Travis. Yep, for sure. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. I think it was good, very timely um, discussion for the time of year, so... Brandon, thanks for coming in. Travis, appreciate it as well. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys taking the time. I know it's um, never convenient to try to get something scheduled, but I'm glad we got her done today. So, yeah. anyway, thanks again, guys, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Appreciate it. Yep, thank you. Thanks, thanks for guys. listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.